and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet Central. My name's Ross McLeod and this is a very special episode because this is our 101st show, yes. I know what you're thinking, why not celebrate the 100th show like every other normal person, Ross? That's because we didn't realise it was a 100th show when we did the 100th show. So now, a special 101st show, talking about Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill, the possible retirement of the great Muta, Raw's 30th anniversary, previewing this coming weekend's Royal Rumble and so much more. Joining me first to kick things off to talk about Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill is Scott. Scott, how are you? I'm doing very well, Ross. I'm looking forward to this very special show. Now we've done as many episodes of Central as there is Dalmatians in that film that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> well, well, Scott thinks of that film. You can think of a reason not to subscribe. I don't think you can have one. Uh, when you look at our massive back catalogue, it's available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. Just search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. We are there. I'm going to be joined by David Hockney and John Isherwood to preview the Royal Rumble. WWE's first premium live event of the year, but the first North American pay-per-view took place this past, I'll say this past Saturday. Yes, it was. Jan- uh, this past Friday, sorry. Yes, January 13th, 2023, Centre Stage, Atlanta, Georgia. Impact Wrestling, hard to kill. Uh, the big stories going into it. Billy Ray calling a shot. The Mickey James last rodeo. And... Eddie Edwards and Jonathan Gresham finally coming to blows. Uh, Scott, I'm just going to quickly run down the card. It was a 10-match card, one match cut for time and was used as the Impact Digital Media match. It was Giselle, so- Giselle Shaw, Savannah Evans and Tasha Steele defeating the Death Dolls in a six-knockouts tag team match. On the pre-show, Kushida defeated Alan Angel's Delirious Mike Bailey, 74-year-old Mike Jackson and Yu Yu Yamura by submission. Trini Miguel defended his exhibition title on the kickoff against Black Taurus, once again using spray paint to his advantage. We kicked off with the Impact World Heavyweight Championship in a full metal mayhem match. For the, those of you that don't know what that is, it's a TLC match. Josh Alexander defeating Billy Ray by submission. Uh, the Mortset Machine Guns retained their tag titles in a fatal four-way elimination match, defeating Heath and Rhino, the Bullet Club, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, and the major players, Brian Myers and Matt Cardona. Joe Hendry defeated Moose via pinfall after the match was restarted by Impact Wrestling's new <laughs> director of operations, uh, Santino Morella. Masha Slamovic is the new number one contender after defeating Diona Perazzo, Killer Kelly and Taylor Wilde in a fatal four-way. Steve Macklin continues his streak of defeating former Impact World Champions by defeating Rich Swan in a Falls Count Anywhere match. This was match of the night for me. Eddie Edwards defeats Jonathan Gresham and afterwards, the return that nobody asked for. PCO returns from the desert. And then in a title versus career match, the last rodeo for the Impact Knockout World Championship. Mickey James defeats Jordan Grace via pinfall for the Impact Knockout World Championship. Scott, a lot to talk about there. Where would you like to start? Uh, might as well start at the beginning and talk about the full metal mayhem. Uh, I did like that they started out with this uh, 
the story of, of Mickey and the retirement potentially was a great way to end the show, so it more than warranted the main event and actually makes it a little interesting fact that's three of the last four hard to kills have had a woman in the main event. And so that's a nice little caveat for that pay-per-view. So then moving this, it kicks off the show with a with a great match, with a big, great, big uh, hardcore brawl, which is obviously Billy Ray's specialty. I've enjoyed the stories. I told you more uh, that Billy Ray's finally you know, turned, like, showed his true colours and not we're not dancing around this. Oh, can, he, can we trust him? Can we not? Can we trust the guy who made a reputation of putting women through tables? Hmm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, so I liked it. It was a hard hitting to start off the show. Yeah, there's some great spots with some tags, tables, ladders, all getting brought out, and then Josh Alexander's wife getting a measure of revenge against Billy Day. Tommy Dreamer, on the other hand, proved that he's the stupidest man in wrestling. When the commentator said, oh, he got his revenge, when he got hit one shot with a candlestick and then got himself put through a fucking table. Yeah, then uh, that was a weird bit. A double turn that wasn't a double turn, which was a double turn, like... <laughs> He, he was coming out to help Josh Alexander. Then he was going to be on Bully's side, and Josh Alexander bought it. Then he hits him, as you said. I think he hits him with a ca- trash can, doesn't he? I thought it was a candlestick. Oh, serious. It's been a week since I watched it. My memory is not the best. <laughs> I thought it was a trash can. Anyway, he hits him with something. And then, yeah, as you said, he gets put through a table. Um, I really enjoyed this match. I thought uh, we've not made any secret of our of her lack of interest in seeing Billy Ray in a main event, but he did sort of um, explain himself, uh, saying, I got in your head, I knew you'd want to beat me at my own game. I can't go 60 minutes with you, Josh, you're a machine, I'm 51 years old, but you're stepping into my playground. And it gave Billy the, the advantage. Um, really good match, really, as you said, really good match to kick off the show. Billy Ray using every underhanded technique and Josh Alexander. As much as we weren't a fan of Billy Ray in the main event, when you look back on this now, this has been the defining uh, feud of his title run, I believe, for Josh Alexander, because Eddie Edwards and Eric Young were his opponents on the other big pay-per-view showcases. They felt like sort of placeholders. This one really felt like it. It developed over a few months and it got more and more personal. Um, so, yeah, I, looking back on it, maybe we harshly judged it just because we really didn't want to see Billy Ray as champion. But now that we're, now that we're clear of that and Josh Alexander's still champion, I think we'll look back on it going, yeah, that wasn't actually too bad. Yeah, I mean, I did say to you that I did feel like some of the segments that they did with Billy Ray, like the stuff he did with Tommy and, and Scott DeWar, while it really added to the story and wrote Scott Dummer out so Santino Mayo could come in as the new authority figure. I do feel like some of the segments he did did overstay their welcome. But I think looking back at like you said with hindsight, it was the kind of story he'd been kind of like focused story in his title really been lacking since, you know, the story was Moose that he, that he had when he won the title. So it's good to see Josh, you know, have a good story to go along with the matches. It was something different in the match. It wasn't his traditional because he had like a sixty minute match in his last title defence against Mike Bailey and Impact TV, then also this is something completely different with the Full Metal Mayhem stipulation. And in the end, you know, I'm glad, it, I'm actually, well, it may seem better that it probably wasn't the main event because I know Mickey James is also a legend, but I still have more interest in seeing her go in the main event because she, they can deliver more in a traditional kind of match setting. 
and you know it helped kick the the baby off hot. And you know now now I won't be too annoyed whenever Bill really pops up because now he's he can add to the show and also not be in the main event where he probably shouldn't be. Yeah, I agree. I think it still is a place, but it's not in the main event. Um, we're heading to. Uh, it's probably been taped already, but we're not going to do spoilers on this show. Uh, the Golden Six Shooter match. Um, I'll just find who's in it here for next week Impact uh, show. The Golden Six Shooter: Moose, Edwards, Callahan, Swan, Rhino, Saban, all former Impact slash NWA champions. Um, winner faces Josh Alexander at No Surrender. Do you see this being another placeholder feud until we get to like Rebellion, or do you think one of these guys has a chance to take the title from him? No, I definitely think Macklin is the guy they're setting up to do it because you know he's been going through all these former champions, and then they set this match with some former champions that he has beaten. You know, Swan, Callahan, Moose. And so, Cal- and also, Macklin was annoyed with Santino this past week that he wasn't getting, you know, he's just doing his title shot that he feels he's earned. So, I think it's going to be a continued story where he's constantly denied until maybe shortly after Sacrifice. The piece just comes out and confronts Josh and went, Right, I'm not waiting anymore. I want that belt of rebellion. So, you know, it'll be a nice couple. I know you would say probably placeholder, but the matches will probably be excellent. Uh, I don't want to say much more about the sixth year because I did read about the night after article, so I actually know who wins and don't want to spoil anything, but you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what, how the match turns out. You know, I'd maybe like to see, I was talking with my friend who also watches Impact, like, I love to see, even if it's just a placeholder, when they go to Sacrifice, which is in Canada, maybe do a rematch with Josh and Mike Bailey after that big 60-minute match. So you've got the winner of the six-year, and that's be Mike Bailey, perhaps, and then Steve Macklin, where he can drop the belt in Toronto a year on from when he won it, which I think would be give a nice cap off to Josh's very excellent title win. Yeah. Let's talk uh, the last rodeo. Um, I I like definitive endings. This one did not have one. There's the controversial, uh, controversial decision where the referee missed Mickey James tapping. Uh, the knockouts tag scene is getting very convoluted at the minute. Um, Tasha Steeles has made her intentions known. Masha Slamovich is the next uh, competitor after winning the Fatal 4 way. She'll be taking her, uh, on Mickey James at No Surrender. And Jordan Gracie has her, her contractual rematch. So I, I feel a story like The Last Rodeo had to either end with Mickey winning completely clean, no shenanigans, or her becoming desperate to remain, you know, remain a wrestler and turning heel. This was neither of those things. It tried to have its cake and eat it too, I think. And I'm not a fan of that, even though the match itself was an absolute banger. Yeah, I mean, I was, I didn't know how you feel about the match when it was announced as the main event, because I didn't know if that pointed more clearly to it being her last match officially or if it was a, a hinted more to she was going to win because you could easily go either way you know have the tearful send-off with her family and she had friends there like Tara the former Victoria and the front row and everything the big thank you Mickey at the end of the show or would it be as we got here the big celebration of the, the culmination of this you know final rodeo and everything uh, I would have liked to have seen her turn heel as well because I think people have forgotten how good Mickey James can actually be when she's allowed to be a heel so that would be interesting, but 
know, I, I like Masha Slamovich. I don't think she's going to win, which is a shame because I don't like the idea of in such a short space and she, her losing three uh, knockouts title opportunities so close together after you know going undefeated for a certain amount of time. But the fact that also you've got Tasha Zilsi pointed out she beat Mickey twice. You know, in title matches, one they went and then in the rematch, which Chelsea Green was involved in, which started their story, which they culminated right before Chelsea uh, left Impact. And also, like, as you know, Tasha lost the belt in Queen of the Mountain, Mickey didn't challenge her as one of the opponents as part of the last video, so she's still not beating her, which is in, which has a great story to go into. And I actually think maybe if they, if they play into this controversy and have another questionable finish with when Jordan gets a rematch, maybe we could keep the story going, but with Jordan as the heel. Kind of getting pissed off that Mickey's kind of, she feels like Mickey's kind of fluking by her, and she feels like in her mind, I could easily be you, I could easily retire you. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I think it works. It works with either one of them as a heel because both of them are very good heels. Jordan has that intimidating frame. Mickey James, as you mentioned, people forgot how good she is as a heel. So I would like to see it continue as as a heel. You know. So one of them be easy for me to say, Jesus Christ. One of them being a heel and taking the lead as a despicable person. But anyway, let's say we'll not talk about every match on the card, but just a wee note on the on the Death Dolls versus Giselle Shaw, uh, Evans and Evans and Steels. We we're just talking about. Um, it's never a good sign when your match gets bumped from a pre-show. And it's even worse when it doesn't make the impact after. It just makes the the network exclusive match. So not looking good there for the Death Dolls. Really not a fan of this gimmick. Um, let's talk the tag team division because uh, more set machine guns, Heath and Rhino, Bullet Club and the major players. A great fast-paced elimination match. It only went 13 minutes. Could have went a lot longer, but it was quite a fun match. Heading for a major players versus Bullet Club um, sort of feud there after they screwed them over. It leaves Mortset Machine Guns going up against Heath and Rhino again. We mentioned heel turns. Do you think we're going to see one here with Heath and Rhino maybe getting frustrated? Or given the fact that they won the title under controversial circumstances, do you think it makes more sense for the Machine Guns to turn heel? Uh, I, I don't actually think we're going to see a heel turn from either. I think it's going to be a placeholder thing because there's a chance that whoever comes out on top of this major player's bullet club thing could take the belts because I think it'd be great to see either side, you know, as, as tag team champions. I do feel like maybe, you know, because bullet club have that, you know, cool factor and they have the association with them and the fact that, you know, the fans, I think, appreciate the great moves that Bay and, and Ace can do in the ring. They might be using the major players to kind of start a baby, first, baby face turn for Ace and Bay. Which might lead to them, you know, maybe taking the tag titles. But you know, I actually wouldn't be surprised if you know they're building this design with with Callahan, Diener, Angels, and Con. I wouldn't actually be surprised if they ended up taking the belts from the Machine Guns. And because before, when it was uh, Eric Young, Diener, and Dorden, they held the tag belts under a Freebird thing for a while, and they were a dominant team in the tag division. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Impact tried to recreate something with with, with this new version of the faction taking the belts. Yeah, that's very true. And of course, the Motorset Machine Guns, one of the most popular tag teams, not just in Impact Wrestling history, but, you know, in the past 20 years in North America, certainly. Um, just looking at the rest of the card, Joe Hendry 
just a wee shout out to him. It's nice to see a Scottish wrestler going on and doing well in another company. A big win over Moose. And obviously the hilarity when Santino Morella is introduced as the new authority figure. Mm-hmm. I know, I was surprised. Like He came out as Santino Morella and a day ago online afterwards. Apparently, WWE forgot to reapply for the trademark on the name Santino Morella when it ran out. So Santino basically swooped in and is allowed to take it, which is probably for the best because I think he has appeared in promotions like Impact under his real name, but I think everybody knows him as Santino, so he's it's what he became better known as. So he's just going to play up to it as the comedic, you know, authority figure. And I quite like it. You know, he had the segment on uh, on Impact this past week where he got Ernest the Cat Miller in to give him some advice on being an authority figure. And he was like, you know, I was the commissioner of WCW Nitro. Like, yeah, in the year 2000. Literally the worst time to ever WCW. Yeah, saying you were in WCW 2000 was like saying you played for Rangers after 2012. Like, look, we know what happened. We're in the third division. You wouldn't normally be here. Let's just get on with this. Neither of us is happy. <laughs> we're going with Joe Hendry. Uh, like, I think the fact that this is on the main show as well, because I think the digital media title has primarily a, a pre-show uh, championship. Uh, it's good to see on the main show, and this is by default, I think, the biggest match it's it's had so far. So it's good that uh, Joe is helping elevate the belt, and you know I think you know the the crowd participation that his theme music encourages, uh, and his natural ability on the mic has really helped the Impact fans who probably weren't aware of him before. You know he's become over with them in such a short amount of time, and I think Impact are recently building him and investing him as a big you know babyface character potentially for the long term. Yeah, he certainly is someone you can get behind. You know, it's easy to look past uh, one how big he is. You know, we're used to seeing these American wrestlers on TV. You forget him and Moose. You know, did a lot of stuff in WCPW slash Defiant together. Joe Hendry's been an impact before. Joe Hendry is as big as Moose, and he does have an amateur wrestling background. He did go to the Commonwealth Games to represent Scotland. So he is no slouch, but it, you know it, it always feels a bit weirder when you see one of your own uh, doing well. But delighted to see him doing well. Uh, we mentioned Steve. Sorry, you go. Yeah. Also, I'm looking forward to because we also know from ICW and places like Defiant how great of a heel Joe can be. He can easily go between the two roles, and just seeing how much you know the fans are behind him, and in fact, also how much you know. Tom Hannafin and Matthew, we won't get behind him and get excited when his theme song plays. Just, I can't wait for the eventual story when Joe Hendry breaks everyone's, all the Impact fans' hearts and shows them how great a heel he can be as well. You know, the return of the prestigious Joe Hendry, perhaps. Yeah, yes, that would be a great gimmick to go back to. Uh, let's just touch quickly, oh, we talked about Macklin, another win over a former Impact Knockouts champion. It does point all for me, if he didn't win the Collier shot, he has to win it at Rebellion. I think he is being he's being kept out of the title picture deliberately at this point. It it's it looks like he's gonna be the guy to dethrone Josh Alexander. And it just it just goes to show how how betting on yourself can pay off because he was Steve Cutler, he was part of a you know, the Forgotten Sons, a very forgettable faction. Uh, in WWE, part of the Knights of the Lone Wolf, and now he, we're talking about him possibly becoming a world champion. 
in the third biggest promotion in North America. I know, I think when he got released, his trainer came out and said that, you know, people who just see him from his WWE work have only seen a small percentage of what he's truly capable of. I think ever since he debuted in Impact, he's well, run with that and showcased that that is in fact the case. You know, when we stuff with the X Division, they're then immediately going into stuff with former world champions like Moose, Shellan, Jay White, Chris Saban, people like that. And now this, and you know, the idea of he's been kind of, kind of kept away or feels like he's been held back from the title picture, going up against Josh Alexander, who also has a relationship with Scott Demore, the current you know guy running Impact Wrestling. You know, he's got a rightful claim of potential favoritism there, so. You know, he's not entirely outside of you know being justified as a bad guy. So they're kind of taking their time with this. Okay, same way they kind of built and built to Josh's uh, title win. They're really building in Macklin. I think they're kind of holding off because, again, he's a guy they can build a compare in long term because last year, I think they had a real issue with people kind of leaving, but they're kind of now investing the people that you know have stayed with them. Yeah, and it goes to show you the grass is not always greener on the other side. Uh, Frankie Kazarian made his return and announced he had signed a long-term deal with Impact Wrestling. Uh, good to see Frankie Kazarian back. Hopefully, he gets a run with the Impact Knockout uh, Knockouts Championship, Impact World Championship before his retirement. I mean, stranger things happen than Frankie Kazarian winning the Knockouts title, but yeah, <laughs> I see him back. I like. The idea of seeing him come in, well, winning the X Division title, going back and forth between and back and AEW, but then he did the Option C thing. He then did uh, stuff with Josh leading into Overdrive for the World Table. I think that was kind of worth chatting because we knew we were getting to the Billy Ray thing, and plus he wasn't a full time Impact guy. So there was no chance he would win the belt. But I think now he's fully saying you know, there's all sorts of possibilities of him going back into the X Division, you know, challenging people like Trey Miguel. And the idea of like, because he's a five-time champion. Now, okay, I did a bit of fantasy, but you know, like, like, he's a five-time champion. He says to Trey Miguel, you know, you've defaced this film, you've done, you've covered it with spray paint and everything. Like, and Trey can say back to him, why do you care about that? What happens to this belt? I only won this because you gave it away because you thought you could be the world champion and you failed. You know, there's a real generational clash there. And then you can see a rematch with Kaz and uh, Mike Bailey. Hell, Cutler wins the belt. I couldn't, wouldn't mind seeing Kaz go up against them. You know, get another shot. At the world title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to a, a, a show that happened recently, the Great Mooters Retirement Show. Um, so, Scott, you obviously cover East Meets West. It's usually New Japan Pro Wrestling and not Noah. But um, what were your thoughts on this? Because you had some some strong opinions you wanted to just talk about on this. Yeah, so there's a bit of confusion going here. There's some carniness going on in the half of the Great Meta, which me and Grant have been more than vocal about on East Meets West recently. Uh, I didn't get a chance, I haven't a chance yet to watch his match with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, but he had that match, and then he was had that match recently where he teamed with Darby Allen uh, and Sting against the team of Akira, not the anime character, Nomichi Marafuji and Hakushi of you know New Generation fame. You know, I don't realize he's still wrestling. But he had that match. That was maybe his last match as Great Meta. But he's also been having a wee mini secondary retirement uh, tour as his real name that he used to wrestle under KJ Muto. It's like, ah, we had the Great Meta's last retire- last match in New Japan. But then at risk of we're having a six-man where it's KJ Muto's last <laughs> match. But, like, you're not different people. 
like you know, like Bruce Banner and Hulk, we know you're the same fucking guy. And so his the match uh, the other day, the Great Mirrors last match, the six man tag. But the night before they were doing Wrestle Kingdom twenty one and you'll come here a second night of Wrestle Kingdom where it was New Japan Pro Wrestling taking on uh, Pro Wrestling Noah. And at the after the main event which saw Naito get the win, you know, uh, representing it, New Japan, Great Muto came out, or sorry, Keiji Muto came out came out. Basically said, My last match ever we'll have a, a, a pro wrestling no show in the Tokyo Dome on February twenty first and I want you, Naito, to be my be my final opponent, so that match is being made. So he's retired as great meta, but he's still got one more match in him as KJ Muto. Maybe, maybe he's got a split personality. I don't know. I really haven't been following it all that much, other than the fact that I knew Sting and Nakamura were doing stuff. So I've really got no strong feelings on it. But I know, I know, obviously, as a resident uh, New Japan coverer and as a resident East meets West host, you certainly have strong feelings on it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the great, great Muta fin- finale, bye bye, as it was called, <laughs> was promoted by Cyberfight and Pro Wrestling Noah in Yokama Japan and Yokama Arena. Just looking at some of the results, another Scott doing really well abroad. Jack Morris, part of the good looking guys, uh, Jake Lee and Anthony Green. Uh, defeating three men whose names I'm not going to attempt to pronounce in a six man tag match. He was on the New Year show for Pro Wrestling Noah. He's had a. Is he either he's getting a title shot or he's had a title shot? Uh, I think he was supposed to get a title shot recently. I don't think he's going to win because at that same show in Mutters, uh, wrestling, I think it's happened after his title shot. Uh, Kaito Kiyomiyo is supposed to wrestle on that show in a champion champ match against Okada, who is mm-hmm. the GP champion, stemming from a, a tag match at that uh, Wrestle Kingdom show in Yokohama where. When he was trying to break up a submission with Okada and his tag partner, he kicked him a couple of times. I don't know if you've seen the clip. Then he kicks him basically yeah, full in the face, busting Okada up hard way. Match gets thrown out because Okada won't stop beating the shit out of him. <laughs> um, but yeah, good to see another Scottish guy doing well abroad. So yeah. Scott, I'm going to let you. Sorry, you go. I'll say on that uh, on that New Year's show, New Year's Day, he beat Timothy Thatcher cleanly as well. So that's a big statement. Uh, with Pro Wrestling Noah getting behind uh, Jack Morris. Yeah, definitely. Not a, no slouch to beat. Um, Scott, I'm going to let you go because you're recording another show. What show are you recording tonight? Uh, tonight we're uh, recording next week's future show. Uh, you've probably heard uh, the day or so before this goes up. Uh, the most recent future show was up here as you look back at our on 97. Well, next week's future show, which we're recording tonight, is a new installment of our New series, it's still real to me. Uh, look at a wrestling documentary. Uh, last time we did this, we did uh, CM Punk's Best in the World. And we're taking a whole different side of the scale. We're covering the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. And what, oh, spoilers, but it might be the most one of the most boring WWE produced products I've ever watched in my life. It really it was a bit of a hatchet job on the Ultimate Warrior, to be fair. I'm no Warrior fan, but. In terms of a hatchet job, it wasn't even the best at doing that either. Yeah, exactly. But I'm going to let you go, Scott, and I'm going to welcome in to preview the, this coming Saturday's Royal Rumble, John Isherwood and David Hockney. Guys, how are we? Get me the hot tag, I'm in. <laughs> Two surprise entrants at once. Yeah. <laughs> we'll brawl down the aisle, mate. 
a very, yeah, yeah. a very reserved David Hockney and a very excited John. I sure enjoy <laughs> I'm just the hype guy on the on the apron. I'm just getting, I was just bouncing up and down, you know, just getting ready to go. But as Mojo yeah, well, I'm, down there, uh, David, <laughs> Royal Rumble time, one of the best pay-per-views of the year, certainly when it goes well. Uh-huh. One of the most exciting times to be a wrestling fan. I mean, it's um if I think we I think we can all say I think it's gonna be a hell of a lot better than last year, just straight off the bat. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if it's just because of the participants that have been announced or the storylines available at the minute, but I think you can you can all tell I think people are hyped for this year for a good reason, especially when you've got a much larger crowd in San Antonio's Alamo Dome. Yeah. Speaking of hype, the Mojo Isherwood, we're coming back to you. <laughs> um, are you looking forward to the Rumble this year? Yeah, it's going to be good this year. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I I can't see past the winner that I've already got picked. I'm sure we'll talk later, but it's it's looking good. You know, there's excitement about it. It's the road to WrestleMania. Not that, you know, I'm I'm doubly excited because I'm going, obviously, to WrestleMania. But, you know, it, the, there's so much with this. Everything's been going in a good direction with WWE. Things are, are, are decent. I think, yeah, there was some good hype last night. But, yeah, I'm ready for it for uh, for Saturday. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's always it's always nice to get a new one to get the bad taste of a bad one out of your mouth. Um, let's talk Raw. <laughs> um, as John mentioned, uh, certainly hyped up last night. I really enjoyed this show because I felt there was legends on it, there was legend participation on it, but there was no um, legends bury the ascension or DX NWO bury the revival. It was every legend on the show sort of had a purpose and it's sometimes we can, especially with Raw 25, we saw sometimes they can overbook these shows, John. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think when you, you're doing something like this, which is paying tribute to, to the show itself, 30 years. I mean, that is an incredible achievement as it is. And you look back at the archive. I watched that sort of best of raw thing that they put on the network the other day. I flicked through bits of it and there's lots of promos and, couple of matches in there and lots of segments and there's so much to get through and obviously with the amount of legends that they got on there like you say it can get a bit overbooked it can get a little bit silly and i think they managed to tread that line quite nicely of not going that far and not going down that route there was some really good stuff there was some really poor stuff i mean the opening with hogan with his mic failing left right and center that was that was bad um but there was some other good stuff. I mean, obviously, we could point towards The Undertaker, which was a brilliant interaction. There's so many other good little parts. Kurt Angle randomly with DX was, was was weird. I mean, like you said, sometimes these things distract from it, but I think, like, the big storylines, the big things that needed to get through still managed to cut through. Yeah, and David, a lot of it... Um... The advertising, a lot of it was built around the fact that we were going to have two tag, two title matches and the steel cage match with Becky and Bailey, which we'll talk about in a minute. But let's talk about the tag team champions and let's talk specifically about Jey Uso uh, because as John mentioned, that opening segment with Hogan was a disaster. So let's talk <laughs> yes. about the opening <laughs> uh, segment. Sami Zayn being put on trial for his miss is a... His misdeeds against the bloodline. Um, and it was Jimmy Uso that 
Was it Jimmy Uso? Yeah, Jimmy Uso, who saved him. Jay Uso, Uso, so often the detractor of Sami Zayn, stepped in to save Sami before he could be excommunicated. What did you make of this segment? And what do you make of the the sort of organic Daniel Bryan-esque movement that's got behind Sami Zayn? This, I watched this whole segment on BT Sports YouTube channel before coming on air today, and I swear it was a thing of beauty. Probably one of the best Raw segments I've seen in quite a while because nothing felt too overly scripted or overly cheesy. Everything felt so natural, like in such a way that, you know, people could tell, you know, Sammy was getting a lot of injustice thrown on him and stuff, which, I mean, is not like for. Not like Roman Reigns' original stint in WWE when he was all about handing out justice and stuff. But um, basically, the bloodline had the crowd in the palm of their hands. And the fact that it was in such a hot crowd like Philadelphia as well, you know it's meant to be... Meant to be really good, you know. Paul Heyman, you know, teasing the the ECW chants, you know, saying ECW is dead, just like Sami Zayn will be after this and stuff. Up. <laughs> okay, starting off strong here, and but I think everything just flipped on its head when you know Solo was about to deliver the the spike to Sami Jay, who was Sami's biggest detractor for quite a while, is the one that ends up saving him, presents the defense, and essentially saves his skin. I mean, it, that was truly something to behold. And it you got the sense that Jay and Sammy felt like proper brothers rather than, you know, as opposed to Jimmy, his twin brother. So it's uh, it, it really was spectacular. And, you know, the crowd going along with the, the response in general, they, everybody was doing the holding up the, the ones to in solidarity with Sammy. But the whole dynamic is so interesting given that, that everybody's willing to stand behind Sami Zayn, but you know, the rest of the bloodline are meant to be like heel characters, but you just can't help but cheer the storyline because you know they're manipulating Sami, they're gaslighting him to an extent, and people can relate to that because, you know, it's been topical issue for so long, and what happened later on in the night, you know, with the match against Judgment Day, I think that just amplified it further. I mean, all I can say is, I'm not really, my attention's been taken off the Royal Rumble match itself. I just want to see how this story pans out at the Royal Rumble itself. Yeah, um, John, Roman Reigns grants Sami Zayn a stay of execution. He says you've got one final test on Saturday. Pardon me. One final test on Saturday at the Royal Rumble. I don't want to see until then. Obviously, we've got a SmackDown before that. Um, If you told me last year that the guy facing Johnny Knoxville in the comedy match... (laughs) was ahead of The Rock, Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre for People's Choice for the main event with Roman Reigns. I would have laughed at you, but he is just... He's played the heel for so long that we forget that Sami Zayn for the longest time was the lovable guy. He was the underdog from the underground. Yeah. It's it's amazing, isn't it? And yeah, all credit to Sami for every single bit that he's done with this whole storyline because it has been incredible. It has been the run of his career and there's absolutely no doubt about that. He is so good at this and it's just worked perfectly every single part of it. There's a lot 
to take in here. Obviously, like you said, we've got SmackDown coming up on Friday, and it. Yeah, Roman said, I don't want to see you. You know, so is he going to be there? Is or is you know, Sami Zayn getting the night off? Yeah, which I'm sure he'd love. But it's going to be interesting what happens at the Rumble, and and obviously this is going to feed into the yeah, the the test is quite clearly something to do with the Reigns Kevin Owens match, and I'm sure the test will be make sure I walk out with that Universal title, yeah, the undisputed Universal title. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Like you said, the crowd is so behind him. And and this now, it does feel like the the trigger has been at least squeezed on the the, the shot of, here we go, Sammy's going to be leaving the bloodline because we're about to screw him. And it is going to lead to the reformation of those two best friends heading towards WrestleMania. And and it's going to be, that that is going to get one of the most amazing pops and it's just going to be epic. To me now that, um, pardon me, now that he saved Jimmy and now that he saved the tag titles for them, as, as Dave mentioned, uh, Jay is still getting taken out, injured. Sammy steps in, retains the title for a for the bloodline against the Judgment Day. To me now, and I, I said the other day, I think people are going to get themselves really upset when Sami Zayn's nowhere near the main event. After Raw 30, I don't see any way why he why he shouldn't be in the main event at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns because Seth and Cody Rhodes is a blood feud. It doesn't need the title. The Rock isn't going to be there. Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar is a big... Big sweaty men, big meaty men, wiping <laughs> meat, sort of thing. And at this point, now that Jimmy saved them, I really don't. I I, I don't see why they would go up against each other. It, it wouldn't have the same feeling because one of the Usos has always had his back. The other Uso didn't trust him and now has saved them. So now I I just think you can't do that match. It now has to be. Roman versus Sammy. I think he will be Roman versus Sammy. I mean, are we getting ads at Elimination Chamber? Ah, yeah, see. no. I mean, it, it kind of writes. I have to agree with John. It, it writes itself. You know, it's it's uh, it's in Montreal. It's the Elimination yep. Chamber. It's and the leaked poster has got Sammy on the front cover as well, like trapped inside a pod. So, I mean, I can, I don't see it going any other way other than you know Sammy facing Roman in Montreal and then teaming with KO to face the Usos because, yep. you know, like I said earlier, it's it's peak level gaslighting and manipulation on the uh, part of the bloodline. Uh, you know, Sammy's continually trying to prove himself to, you know, align his, align himself with the bloodline, even if that means, you know, them putting him through the ringer. And, you know, maybe to an extent, you know, maybe the Usos aren't as fully into it as Roman is. You know, he's being the mastermind and all that. But uh, the the Raw Rumble booking is going to be very, very interesting, to say the least. But then again, you know, we've had the likes of Kofi Mania. We've had Brian's Rise. So, I mean, it's not the first time, you know, that the, um, the WWE universe has firmly got behind, you know, like a bearded hobo to <laughs> go on and win at WrestleMania. <laughs> This is the thing with it. I think, like, yeah, the fans are, are firmly behind him. And I think 
Whereas you were saying, like, you know, the, the, the whole Cody and Roman thing doesn't have a title blood feud and all that. I don't think fans are going to be massively upset that Sammy doesn't walk away with the, you know, the, the, any one of the titles, apart from, you know, the tag team titles is a different thing, but if he doesn't walk away with the singles title like that, they're not going to complain about it because he's going to be so unbelievably over anyway. I think it's going to be, it's going to be plain sailing for him and he's, he's going to have a good run post WrestleMania anyway, whatever he does it. it I think he's going to be in the clear. It, it doesn't, it doesn't need that big main event match because it, once you, once you've hit that top and we've seen what happens with a few people, you know, it happened with Big E. Daniel Bryan was curtailed by injury. You know, it happened with other superstars as well. I'd say, you know, maybe Kofi was, you could throw him in that, in that bracket as well, where they all got there on this wave of popularity. And then all of a sudden, bang, we don't know what to do. Yeah. And and I think with Sammy, you know, people want to see him on top or people want to see him do his thing because like you said, he is that kind of relatable, wonderful bearded hobo that everybody loves <laughs> and they want to see him succeed but success does not necessarily mean you have to be winning the wwe undisputed universal championship every every pay-per-view so i think there's there's other avenues that sammy can still go down and still be at the top of the card yeah like him and ko could be tag team champions for the first time respectively uh you know, ko would become a, a grand slam Actually, no, no, a triple crown champion because he's yeah, yet, he would, yeah. He's yet to win the WWE title. Sammy would just be two out of three in the, the triple crown scenario. But I think having those two, you know, return together as a tag team, as a face tag team as well, that would be very, very interesting. And it would be massively over with a, a large section of the, the audience, especially with Triple H under creative control, because you know Triple H is a fan of both of those guys, particularly when they were black and gold NXT. Give it a year as well. Give it, give it 18 months, and then we've got another barbershop on our hands. Oh. So, so I'm, not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No, 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 no. They always, they always do very well together. And this has been the first time Sammy's really turned on Kevin, as opposed to Kevin yeah. turning on Sammy. So maybe, maybe, like, maybe, you know. To, what, happened, what happened Sorry. to War Games? You know, that was... I think that summed it up. Yeah. 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 And it, it, the best heels are always the ones that have a bit of a point, you know, and if hey, you mentioned 18 months, another barbershop, you know, it wasn't that when you turned on me or, hey, you know, you got here riding on my wave of popularity sort of thing. Yeah. So <clears throat> it could, could be interesting. Let's talk about the a segment I want to talk about, which was the, the DX and Kurt Angle um, segment, uh, just quickly as a wee stopgap, we know Billy Gunn's in AEW, we know he's not coming back. <laughs> Can we stop doing that for sake? Um, <laughs> segment. Yeah. Um, and I did like that, because I did go, oh God, I had Shades of the Ascension and the Revival in my head when Imperium came out, I liked how every one of them backed down for Walter. Like, yes. fight you. no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm retired. I'm too old. Oh, who the hell am I kidding? Oh, I've got a bit of a sore stomach, you know? So, and the fact <laughs> that it, it led to, you know, 
over current superstars like Rollins and the Street Profits getting a big win and a big spotlight on this anniversary show. And of course, the return of everyone's favourite general manager, Teddy Holla Holla Long. <laughs> Teddy! I, I, I thought there was like a little bit of like, he could have done something a little bit extra there because I hadn't seen the segment. I watched it like sort of, I watched the whole show before I came on with you guys and I, when he came out, I thought he was going to get really confused because he'd just seen The Undertaker in the back. I thought he was going to go, and you're going to go one-on-one with The Undertaker. No. And then stop himself and realize that it's the tag team match. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's a, I like how they just kept the running gag going, you know, because for a long, long time, Teddy Long, as general manager, his only role in the show was to arrive, make tag team match player, then leave. Holla, holla. <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, his first few years as general manager, you know, were brilliant because he really got stuck in the nitty gritty of storylines and stuff. But as he got older and, you know, he sort of faded more into obscurity, you know, that he just made he just made the occasional segment, did his little dance and stuff. And I mean, I was happy to see him. I bet Kwaku uh, was happy to see him as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it just goes to they've kept the running gag going as well. And Triple H practically, you know, he could have said, uh, I just wish there was somebody who could solve this <laughs> scenario. <laughs> he, may, he, may just hold, he may have just said it to the mic, all right, Teddy, we've got six people here. Can you come out and do your thing? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But yeah, a good match, a, a fun segment. You know, Imperium, you know, it, as much as we say we've moved on for the East, the foreign heel is always a good heel. Um, let's talk about a segment that fans are a bit disappointed with. It was the cancelled steel cage match between Becky Lynch and Bailey. Uh, Bailey made her way to the ring, being attacked by damage control. Uh, the three of them locked the cage door and beat the hell out of Becky before escaping to the top of the cage. Uh, according to Fightful Select, WWE called an audible on the Bailey versus Lynch bout due to the fact that the tribal court segment with the bloodline went longer than planned, which meant several segments needed to be trimmed throughout the rest of the show. Uh, the match and the entrances usually get two segments, which usually would have meant a 10 to 14 minute match at least. But once the segment ran too long, WWE made se- thought it made sense to work an angle to set up a full match at a later date rather than shortchanging the fans with a short cage match that barely lasted a few minutes. I I don't actually mind this, as we mentioned. Nah. I it's hard to, book, hard to book these shows. You know, you, you don't need to do the steel cage match straight away. They can do something in Rumble together. They can do something in Elimination Chamber together. And then, hey, you want it? Let's save it for WrestleMania. If, yeah. you, know, you don't want to rush a cage match in between the Chamber, which is, you know, just a cage match on steroids, really. <laughs> and... <laughs> You don't want to, you know, Becky Lynch versus Bailey is one of the four horsewomen feuds that really hasn't been done to death. Yeah. So, hey, mm. I'm all for that going to WrestleMania. No, I am. I like the fact that Bailey's explained away as well what happened. I don't know whether you've called that from Raw Talk. Um, she's basically said like, you know, Eos guy's got her own mind. Dakota Kai's got her own mind. I've got her own mind. We just decided to beat the hell out of her. We, yeah, we're damage <laughs> control. We do what we want. You know, I quite mm. like that. It was, they, they've done something about it. And, you know, just there's a lot of cry yeah. arsing that goes on on social media at times, doesn't it? You know, with stuff like that. But they're going to get to do this whole thing again on a bigger stage. I understand that people were looking forward to it, but they're going to get to do it on a bigger stage. And like you said, it's a feud that hasn't been, you know, properly done 
to death, you know. So it's it's something I'm looking forward to seeing again. Yeah, same. It's um I mean, in the moment you think, oh, that, that's bollocks. I wanted to see a cage yeah. match. But what they did afterwards, you know, they effectively turned chicken shit into chicken soup. And I think the social media outrage is a bit uh, premature because they actually got the hashtag uh, WWE women deserve better, uh, you know, with many different examples of, you know, the uh, women's evolution, etc., cetera, uh, et cetera, you know, with evolution and a few other examples. But, uh, I mean, I get where they're coming from. You know, it's like Becky and Bailey got done dirty. You know, they didn't get the cage match, but they had... Bianca and Sonia have a match though, albeit, you know, kind of a short one. But, you know, you, you make a good point, you know, so what if it doesn't happen on TV, you'll, you could get something better at the pay-per-view. Yeah. You know, six women in a in a giant cage rather than, you know, two people. Uh, so, maybe it's a bit of uproar over nothing, but in the in the moment, I can see why people would be pissed off. I think even the, the Bellas posted a, yes. a video to Twitter expressing their, their anger over the scenario. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is, and uh, you know they, they 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 like I said they made chicken soup, chicken salad, whatever, a chicken shit, chicken curry, chicken curry. Oh, <laughs> I'm hungry now. You stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like it, it, they did the best that they could out of uh, what they had. All right, things went long. Stuff happens on live TV. You've got to deal with it, and and they dealt with it, and and that's what it is. In the end, it's live TV. So yeah, sorry um, and all that. To me as well, it's justified the fact that it wasn't a, a a boring legend segment. It wasn't a segment that no one liked. It was the segment that's got possibly the most over wrestler yeah. of the past year on yeah. on screen. I, I'm the world champion. So to me, I don't really mind. Um, let's talk about things sort of repairing themselves, sort of... Um, maybe previous booking mistakes uh, corrected. So Bray Wyatt versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 31 was, pardon me, was cut short due to Undertaker not being fully fit and Bray Wyatt going over in his ankle the day of the pay-per-view. Never really got to have the match. It kind of just felt like Bray was getting buried again. Last night, Bray Wyatt not only on Raw's 30th anniversary, but in a massive segment, a sort of passing of the torch segment with not just The Undertaker, but American badass Undertaker, John. So cool, man. So cool. I, I didn't expect that. So I actually woke up, because obviously I have to get up very early with the, the, the breakfast show that I'm on, you know, and saw that you know, the American badass Undertaker coming out on some footage on Twitter. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That is cool. Um, I I was a bit kind of like, like worried for him in a sense, because like once he got in the ring, I was like, oh, you ain't moving too clever, mate. Um, the, that, the, the bits where he walked to the rope, oh, I just, he, he looked in pain, man. Uh, but it was great to see him, great to see him doing that with the bike coming down. And that segment, yeah, was very, very good. Yeah, everybody came out of that looking super strong you know from from the undertaker getting the massive pop to manhandling la knight who came off looking like a million dollars and bray wyatt that that little bit at the end that little whisper like i said it was almost a passing of a torch what did he say what did he mean what was going on that that was great that i think that was a, a good moment and you know to kind of complete a circle that was 
very much uncompleted. Yeah. They've... Oh, the, the American Badass entrance caught me off guard, like, big time. Because, I mean, I'd seen a couple of pictures of promotional material Undertaker's wearing his Dead Man gear, but then I see another one where it looks like he's wearing his uh, his uh, American Badass gear, and I was wondering, hmm, wonder what they'll do. Then the gong hits, and I thought, okay, maybe it's Dead Man Taker, but then it changes to him coming out on this massive motorcycle, and, oh, it felt like early days of the Ruthless Aggression era all over again. You know, it's the only thing I'm... I would critique about it is because he came out with a different theme song this time and I was just waiting to hear you're going to pay but obviously it's a Jim Johnson song no, 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 yeah. no, 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 David or, no, let me guess no, let Biscuit Campbell's and your Callum Bennett let Biscuit roll in yeah I know I know let Biscuit this is an attitude era character this is for the old people that me and John it was it was cool to see, man. That I, I was still quite stunned they went with a full on kid rock and uh, kid rock song, and we did hear porno flicks being referenced <laughs> upon Monday Night Raw, which is really really weird. Yeah. Uh, but I suppose that's kind of cool because you know, remember Kid Rock was supposed to perform at Mania Thirty Four, yeah, or Undertaker's entrance. But I don't know if some he got some caught up in some what was it something political oh, take, take any one of his m- many indiscretions yeah I, yeah pick. <laughs> i i was paying close attention because i was supposed to go to uh, new orleans the week after wrestlemania as well so i think i think he got in trouble for like promoting something trump related or something yeah he was he's very much in the donald trump camp yeah and i think the the organizers just sort of got the cold feet and didn't want anything any political affiliation with it but i suppose it's kind of it comes full circle again you know they've got kid rock performing undertaker to the ring and uh it's it it, it really was a genuine throwback feeling because we haven't seen american badass for damn near 20 years yeah it was so it was good i mean that was just a great visual and obviously they put the new graphic up for him you're like nah that's good that was that was cool to see (laughs) <laughs> or to paraphrase LA Knight yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. all them all incels talking about it online yeah <laughs> yeah uh, let's talk about the, the main event um, Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley really cool to see the, these two guys get the main event you know yeah uh, Theory over especially the past, over the past yeah over the past two and a half years the repair to a character I thought was unrepairable in Bobby Lashley, making him one of the most interesting prog- uh, parts of the programme. And the fact, as you mentioned, John, Austin Theory, a new up-and-coming guy, main event, United States title, getting that focus. What a year he's had. Yeah, absolutely. And... Well, let's let's just get to the end of the match because it looks like we're going to get Brock Lesnar against Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania because he was back last night and say what you will about Brock Lesnar, David, but every time he returns, he gets the pop and the goosebumps go up on those arms. Oh, listen, he gets the the big star pop. You know, he he's a draw regardless. As soon as you hear the 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 beast incarnate theme music, whatever it's called. Next Big Thing, that's what it's called. Um, yeah, 
Cowboy Brock was, you know, massively popular back in like, you know, during the SummerSlam match. Even when he sort of came back and attacked a face, Lashley, you know, it was hard to tell if he was face or heel at that point. But yeah, you know, Brock Lesnar is and still is a massive draw, especially for like the casual audience and the UFC audience and stuff. So, and the way he got himself involved, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, he attacked both participants showing no allegiance to anybody except Brock Lesnar. But it sounds like, you know, theory just takes a lot of punishment from Lesnar as is, but in this instance, it actually helped him because, I mean, when's the last time you see somebody take a finisher onto another, onto their opponent and create so creatively landed a pinfall position because the only t- other time I've seen that was at Backlash 2007 when I think um, Edge speared Randy Orton uh, I think HBK like threw him out the ring then he super kicked Cena on top of Randy Orton and that resulted in a pin scenario and basically Cena retained the title by a fluke yeah I remember that I remember that mm. but it was so pitch perfect that F- that theory F5 on to oh, last so well. good I mean, sure, it, it may not. I mean, it's, it's it's just such a really creative spot, and it showed that Lesnar has basically no affiliation to anybody. Austin Theory still continues as US champion, and now Lashley again has a reason to go after Lesnar. Yeah, it just it just worked perfectly, didn't it? Yeah, and that that's great. And you know, they, they don't need to hot shot this. There's nothing at the Rumble. The the only thing they need to do at the Rumble is both of them are in the Rumble together, and they both eliminate each other. And that's Easy. all it is. Yeah, yeah it's, that's it. Sold. Get me to Mania. It's just going to be two big lads having a fight. That's all it's going to be. Yeah, they give us the big meaty men slapping meat match. Yeah. And they're, they're really both ad- they're, they are both advertised on the poster as well. Yeah, I, I really do hope, though, it is just that. It's two big lads fighting because the Rumble match, you know, it was all about Roman screwing over Brock. Yeah. The Saudi Mania match, it kind of ended in a bit of a, a fluke. So I really just hope we have just big meaty men slapping meat. I, I love them to kind of get get into the sort of legitimate fighting backgrounds. You know, obviously Bobby's done his thing and, and Brock, well, we all know what he's done with the UFC. Get into that, eat into that a lot more. And I think, you know, you're going to position this as not just another feud wrestling match, another grudge match. This is going to be, you know, mm. a, a legitimate fight. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I think it's not a don't just give them a regular match. Give them like a, a stipulation, like my pit. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going to say false count anywhere, but that works too. Yeah, either way. I mean, you saw what Lashley did with a false count anywhere with Goldberg. Like he actually got a semi decent match out of Goldberg yeah. with that. So, I mean, who's to say he can't do the same with Lesnar? Yeah, why not? Do it. Yeah, I, I think this does need to be a, a no-holds-barred-esque match. I think it, it really does need a stipulation. Just so they could... I, I wouldn't be mad if at WrestleMania they did what Brock and Goldberg did. Five and a half minutes, 100 mile an hour, two big lads knocking the out of each other. Because, I mean, it, it's only wrestling. Wrestling's the only combat sport because of its scripted nature. Where matches do go... 30, 40, 50 minutes, and they don't need to, you know. Yeah. Part of the excitement of a fight is that it can end at any moment. Uh, the, like one of the first things I was always taught when I was training, and the initial start when I was training was like, it's a fight. 
you've got to give it the impression that it's a fight. So why why not have matches like that? They're cool. I mean, Ronda Rousey has ended UFC fights in less than like twelve seconds. Yeah. So yeah, no, but there you are. So let's move. We'll we'll leave the Royal Rumble for last. We'll we'll end on a positive note. And we'll we'll talk up the Rumble. Um, Raw 30, I think we can agree, guys, Raw 30 a lot better than the 20th anniversary <laughs> and the 25th anniversary of Raw. Damn right. Yeah, yeah. Fairly, fairly, you know, kind of like one of those almost nondescript shows, but it was actually quite good in a weird way. Yeah. We get uh, a world title feud furthered, a tag title match, a US title match, set up a WrestleMania match, set up a future cage match. Some legends appeared. I had a fun time. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed um, it. Holla, holla. <laughs> um, let's move on to uh, some news for the independent uh, promotions in the UK. Uh, their affiliation with WWE is ending. Um, WWE is removing a lot of the uh, content from the network, including Progress, ICW, uh, WXW in Germany. A lot of this is coming off the back of the sale. WWE, you know, doesn't want maybe a third-party content issue to maybe cause issues with that sale. And, yeah, it, I think we all knew it was coming, guys, but um, sad to see something that I think could have been a lot better had we not had the pandemic. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd, I'd agree with that. And, yeah, I think some of that, obviously, the content got a bit stifled, didn't it? You know, I remember a lot of the progress shows in that empty, you know, sort of like empty studio space or whatever it was that they used in London that wasn't exactly the most exciting in the world. Um, it, yeah, and the same with ICW as well. You know, you, you, there was obviously a zero crowd there and, and a very small, very tight space. And it probably didn't get the numbers that they were anticipating as the diehards probably watching it. So I understand it, but coming off the sale rumours, as you mentioned before, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to just strip it back and take these sort of little deals like that out of the way because that's only something that would get in the way of a sale. Yeah, I agree. David, um, we had seen the likes of uh, Trent Seven pop up at the Square Goal for ICW. We saw Kushida Mm -hmm. when... uh, Jeff Jarrett couldn't make the show. WWE stepped in and gave ICW Kushida in the main event of Shugs' Party Night 1. Uh, Noam Dar was allowed to do ICW full-time again once he was part of the uh, UK brand. But unfortunately, and I think you can see both sides, frustration for the independent companies, but WWE want to keep their own talent, you know, clear of any situations where they may get COVID, may bring it back and then cause, you know, an outbreak on their side. It was, it was something, the writing was sort of on the wall for these deals, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a double-edged sword in a way. I think that's the best way we described it because, I mean, it was good that these sort of smaller UK promotions were getting a bit more exposure on a global network of, you know, where millions of wrestling fans have signed up for. So even those that wanted to dig through all the independent stuff, you know, they would get eyes on on progress, on ICW, some of the other smaller wrestling promotions as well. But again, the, the other side of that is that 
you know, if you talent share with these companies, particularly on the UK side, there's going to be an issue with double bookings and stuff. And, you know, the larger companies such as NXT UK was always going to take priority uh, over them, probably because of salary and, uh, you know, TV exposure, that kind of thing. And it really damaged the, the independent promotions in such a way that, you know, they had to make, they had to come up with contingency plans on the fly to, you know, not to reduce the quality of these shows, but still give the fans something worth paying for. And like us getting Kushida for Shug's house party in that year, that was a genuinely nice surprise and a very fair compromise given that, you know, we didn't get Jeff Jarrett. But then again, he did show up in the square go the following year. So in a way, I suppose it did work out in the end. But, you know, as you said, you know, the likes of Trent Seven, Noam Dar, Kenny Williams, uh, Jordan Devlin as well has also been, uh, he was still on NXT UK, but still made a few ICW appearances here and there. Pete Dunne was regularly defending the UK title uh, on ICW as well. So there's a lot of cross-promotion between ICW and NXT UK and some of the other promotions such as Progress, etc. with uh, Black and Gold NXT. But a lot of that's going to be missed, I reckon, for those diehards who like to go through thousands of hours of content. But I suppose at the same time, maybe this could be a chance for the independent companies to, you know, you know, sort of get back on their own two feet a little bit, you know, now that some of their talent have got that little extra exposure. I am going to have a wee bit of a rant here, okay? And <laughs> I, I think the, the way you, you and I guys have discussed this just now is a very reasonable thing. Yes, WWE, you, they did hold talent for a while. You know what I mean? They did hold talent for a while. And they weren't the only ones that did it. AEW did it as well. A lot of uh, British regulars taken to AEW. Now, we we also mentioned how pandemic-wise it really maybe sh- caught it short. But let's not put everything at the door of WWE. I'm going to read you a quote. I'm not going to mention the guy by name. I'm not going to embarrass him. Because the post is embarrassing enough. So ICW have a show this weekend and they're no longer on the network. And it said, I'm excited for the ICW rebirth this weekend. They've been treading water since they went on the WWE network. Felt were down rubbish. The wrestling, the wrestlers have been amazing, but the buzz has been gone. ICW was a fun night out and badly needs better entrance music for the performers. Get on it, Dallas. That's right, mate. Daz Black having an in-house entrance tune instead of Sad But True by Metallica. It's killed the territory. It really has. You know, these towns these towns used to be filled with money. Nothing to do with the speaking out movement and half the company leaving. Nothing to do with the other half of the company, as we've mentioned, going on to bigger and better things. The likes of Joe Hendry killing it in Impact Wrestling, Jack Morris away in uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, Gallus on NXT featured in multiple takeover tag team title stories. Nothing to do with the fact that they've basically ran the same matches for four years. Nothing to do with the fact that they relied on the old names and the likes of Grado and Jester have now transitioned into mainstream acting and are doing very well for themselves, leaving them short. It's definitely the mainstream exposure on a worldwide network for a worldwide audience that really killed them. Fucking idiot. Honestly, just absolute <laughs> right. This, this absolute moronic oh. view that because they're no longer on the WWE Network, that 
everything's going to change. Problems still exist. Problems still exist in certain pro wrestling companies because, and I, you know what, I'm going to say it, I think ICW was kept afloat a lot by the fact that it was getting WWE Network money because I, I went to um, Fear and Loathing this year, Fear and Loathing that was moved to the garage, their, their smallest ever venue they've ever had Fear and Loathing in. And hey, it, it was a fun show, I had a fun night, but hey, it ain't the ICW of old and that ain't the, the fault of in-house music. It isn't, the, how, uh, it isn't the fault of WWE, it's the fault of stagnant booking. I think that's a problem for a lot of, um, you know, UK promotions as well, like Brit promotions rather, sorry, the you know, one sort of south of Scotland, obviously, you know, ICW has this thing you, you mentioned there about this sort of stagnant booking. I, I see that across England as well. You know, I, I see the same faces, the same matches pop up, the same things. And, and, you know, it's not that there's a problem with the talent because the talent can be deep. Yeah. You know, could be great. You know, I know so many are on the shows, but it's the same faces, the same names. It just feels like even though some may break through, they may get a match. You don't see them for six months after that. Mm-hmm. And I find that quite sad. You know, it's it's difficult. Um, you know, it's a friend of mine who, you know, was, was trying to get somewhere and, and you know, he, he's, he was actually local. You know, he was a local guy that promotion you know he would have been because he's he's from that area they've literally done just ignored him just ignored him and that's sad uh you know maybe it's, it's taking that philosophy if it's going to be a rebirth in inverted commas then maybe it should be a rebirth of an, uh, an entire process as as these things have to now re-establish themselves because they're they don't have the wwe network and peacock to to give them that exposure anymore. So they are going to find the ones who truly support them, who sign up to the on-demand services and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the talent that's there now, you know, are we going to see some new people coming through? And then them getting, you know, people excited about these people who are coming through. It's going to be a little restart, a little reboot. You know, I've even, I've seen progress today. I've put out a post saying a couple of their shows have been rescheduled now. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting start again for for these promotions. Mm. I mean, if I could just comment on ICW for a bit as well, like, you know, I first went to an ICW show, I think it may have been mid-2014, and I can honestly say, like, a lot of the guys that performed, I think it was Space Boss, where it was Drew's first return match after uh, being let go by WWE, and I think I can, I don't think I can name anybody on that show that hasn't taken that big step across the pond and is now working for the biggest wrestling company in the world. Because, I mean, there obviously there are still a few faces I recognize from NXT UK, etc. But obviously that's in the bin now for probably the proposed NXT Europe. But it's just, uh, I get the feeling that a lot of the fan base has been purely sold on the talent that defined that particular generation of ICW. You know, the likes of 
Lionheart, Jackie Polo, Viper, Kaylee Ray, all these people, and even like the Coffees and Wolfgang to an extent, all these people are now, well, most of them are with WWE to an extent. And, you know, they're continuing living the dream just with a, a slightly bigger company. And I get, you know, it's sad to see, you know, like your favorites go, but at the same time, you should be happy for your, you know, your local heroes to be doing so well. You know, Joe Hendry killing it at an impact, that kind of thing. Uh, Gallus, you know, causing mayhem. Kaylee Ray now is Alba Fire, you know, running a mock on NXT, etc. It's, and then obviously, you know, the best examples I can give is probably Drew and Nikki Cross going crazy on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. But I don't think they've put as much focus on this new generation of talent now because I haven't been that keen on going to see an ICW show purely because they just don't give their their local talent enough exposure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I could comment further, but we could be here for hours ranting about it. Let's move <laughs> yes. on to... Um, <laughs> The unfortunate news that uh, this past week, Jay Briscoe uh, unfortunately passed away at the age of 38 after being involved in a car crash. Uh, Mark Briscoe will be on AEW Dynamite this coming coming Wednesday. I can't remember who he's facing. Uh, Uh, I can tell you in a few seconds. Um, Yes, that's it. Jay Jay Lee. Jay Lee, yeah. So... Glad to see common sense prevailed. Obviously, there was a, a few unsavoury comments made by Jay Briscoe a few years ago. He has since apologised for them. Uh, and, uh, you know, we want people to apologise for things they said. Once they apologise, you can't then go, I mean, he still said it. You know, a changed man. Uh, I had never really watched Ring of Honour. My first real exposure to the Briscoes was actually at an ICW show. And then... Uh, their recent run in Impact, their feuds with Violent by Design and the Good Brothers and uh, the members of Bullet Club, the reformed Bullet Club, uh, taking on uh, Honor No More as well, some great matches there. And of course, with the new AEW-backed Ring of Honor revival, uh, taking on FTR and some absolutely brilliant matches. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just such tragic story, especially given that, you know, not even 40, but it was just a tragic accident. You know, there's that's just the way of life sometimes, and it can be properly cruel when it takes away, you know, someone who, by all accounts, was a very devoted family man, a top performer. Sure, he made some mistakes in the past with some comments he made, but you know, like you said, he apologized for it and, you know, he's he's tried to move past it. But he and his brother, you know, were arguably one of the best sort of brotherly duos in tag team wrestling as a whole. And just seeing the, the amount of support, you know, people were showing, you know, like Viking Raiders, Kevin Owens and a few other names, you know, they were wearing like J armbands. Yeah, I think it was the the week of his passing. Like, it's just such a nice tribute to somebody. I think the whole wrestling community admired in their own 
in their own way. It's kind of like, you know, when a lot of the Scottish wrestlers, you know, wear those Lionheart armbands when he yeah. when he sadly passed. Like, and I still remember, uh, I, I mean, I wasn't at the tribute show, but I met up with folk coming out afterwards. And you could just tell it was a, it was an emotional night because, you know, he was beloved by fans and wrestlers alike. And I think Jay Briscoe was was pretty much the same in a lot of ways. But more, I think most people know, took note of the fact that, you know, he was a big family man. And I think that's what they, they admired him most for. Yeah, I yeah. mean... Uh- just seeing that and seeing the post about you know his family and how devoted he was and everyone talking about that it, it really is just unbelievably sad and it was it was you know you mentioned about the armbands KO had his on again uh, on Raw last night yeah it's 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 just an absolute tragedy you know that that's a real talent gone too soon you know like I said a family man and you know he's left his wife and and, and his kids who are recovering. It's yeah, I and mean, it's really sad. I mean, like yeah, the the Briscoes. I I didn't see enough of them, and it's one now that I think I'm going to go back and watch a lot more from the archive. You know, just to see a little bit more. I remember first sort of coming across the Briscoes with the whole Age of the Fall thing uh, in Ring of mm-hmm. Honor, and mm-hmm. uh, that was the first my first yeah. exposure to them. And and yeah, that match with FTR, that yeah, this recent one, the the dog collar match was just yeah, that was brutal, brutal, but beautiful at the same time. That. Those two teams are tearing it up, and yeah, it's it's just incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like when Eddie Guerrero passed as well. I still watch some of his old matches back just just for the whole lie cheat and steal thing. That's what. Yeah, yeah. If you look back on those matches and you think, what is it about that I like the most about Jay Briscoe? You know, go look up that those matches, and you know, just remind yourself of you know why he was such a a, a good performer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll we'll move on to happier news. Happy, you know, it's hard to move on from a, a, a subject like that. But we are going to have to to roll on. Um, we talked about WrestleMania plans being locked in during Raw Thirty. One plan that may not be locked in is a plan we all thought we were going to get for a while: The Rock and Roman Reigns. It doesn't look like. He's going to be back for the WrestleMania 39 match. Apparently, WWE wanted an answer from The Rock for Mania by the middle of January ahead of the Royal Rumble. As they look to lock in WrestleMania plans, as reported, The Rock status isn't set in stone, but it doesn't look like he'll be competing due to the fact that he doesn't feel he has enough time to get in the ring shape. He feels he needs to be in for the match of that magnitude. Uh, a bit of a bit of an annoying one. We know obviously the rock's very busy with you know a lot of film projects and being film buff and ring buff are different things. We you know we've saw him you know slim down drastically uh, from his two hundred ninety five pound muscle frame as down to two seventy uh, for matches against John Cena and matches against CM Punk. But it's a bit frustrating because, John, we are getting to the point where The Rock is 51 this year. Yeah. And, you know, we saw it with Kurt Angle, although Kurt Angle did have a lot of injuries. Kurt Angle took too much time away from the ring, and when it came time to go again, he couldn't. 
Yeah, um, it's and it's difficult, and obviously, you know, The Rock's in much different shape to what he was when he last was in the ring. You know, he's in a, you know, he, he went full on with Black Adam for that training. You know, that was that was a whole thing of putting on size and putting on that big amount of lean muscle. It's a different form of training. You know, when you're in the ring, your cardio's got to be fully on point. Yeah, you know, I'm sure is 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 good, but your endurance in there is a different level. You know, and and that's why they do so much cardio endurance training you know squats for days when you're you, you're training to wrestle and it is very different i mean i've got to hold my hands up and say i never thought we were going to see that match at all anyway i, I didn't think it was going to happen knowing that the rock is so busy i can't believe you've not mentioned the xfl geez come on guys uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's launching next month come on play the game here um you know it, he's he's too busy man there's no it, they could get the rock in la for like a guest spot, but they ain't getting him for a match. And quite frankly, you know, with the way things are going, it looks like Roman's walking into Mania with the title anyway. This match doesn't need the title. Uh, the Rock doesn't have to be at the Rumble and win it. That's that's not going to happen. I never thought we were going to see this. It's a shame. Yeah, you know, I would have loved to have seen the, the Rock get in the ring, but I think that chapter of his life is is done now. Mm. Yeah, it, uh, David. It was seven. It was seven years between WrestleMania twenty and the the return to host WrestleMania twenty seven. That's not just mm-hmm. that's not just matches. You know that that year he wrestled one tag match and made about five guest appearances, and it was and- ten times more than anything he had done in the years prior. Um, we we talked about possibly Sami Zayn being in the main event, and John just mentioned there this match doesn't need the title. Another match that's been floated could be Stone Cold Steve Austin against Roman Reigns. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I know we last time we talked about Stone Cold Steve Austin, like you know, WrestleMania comes and goes, but there's only ever one Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm gonna that like should be etched on your like uh on your social media as like a quote that defines you ross <laughs> but oh i uh, apparently my hate according to david campbell of Renee Young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no 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 i don't want to see roman austin it's no. like because this is the issue when you book something so far in advance like it doesn't take into account the possibility of like an active roster member who's been in there day in and day out for years on end who naturally gets over with the crowd and they don't reward them for it it's it's kind of like you know they announced rock and cena a year in advance for wrestlemania 28 the summer of punk shows up he basically breaks the system breaks the fourth wall and yet he gets to go into wrestlemania as wwe champion but second fiddle still to John Cena and The Rock. It just doesn't... Mm, I don't think they can afford to do that again, but Stone Cold Steve Austin is a massive draw, just like what we saw when he did against... He can d- put somewhat of a match on against Kevin Owens as well, knowing if he's put with a safe worker, he knows he can do fine. But against Roman, though, I mean, the logic behind it, after everything that's transpired these last few months... There is, it makes zero sense at this point. I would much rather, I mean, I'll be like, I would want to see 
Roman versus Cody at Mania, me personally. Hell, I would, I would even... If they went with Roman versus Sami Zayn, I wouldn't be upset at that either. But why on earth would you throw those two aside just for a big, big uh, spot show with Stone Cold Steve Austin? Like, just just have a main event night one again against uh, against a safe, notable name. You'd still get the pop. The Miz. Yes. Put put him against the Miz. Great stuff. That was going to answer my my next question because I was going to say to John, you know, we might not want him against Roman and I I certainly feel Rock Roman doesn't need the title, Austin Roman doesn't need the title. Um, But I would like to see Austin again, you know, properly making his entrance, knowing in advance he's going to be in a match, black vest, black trunks, the knee brace on, you know, I want to, I do want to see Austin again, but to me, Austin Roman yeah, doesn't amazing. make a lot of sense. Do you know what does make a lot of sense, in my opinion? And this'll just this will be two birds with one stone this. Austin against the 2K23 cover star, John yeah. Cena. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's never been done, I don't think. I said I don't think that's 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 one that got missed off because obviously Or has it been done? Yeah. No, I don't think it has because no, I'm going to go because I I didn't think he did. Yeah. No, Austin left like mid 2002 when Austin left mid 2002 when Cena just arrived, yeah. and he and when he came back early 2003, he only wrestled like two matches or something, or was or wrestled very yeah. sporadically. They, they never faced and, off in a, in a in a WWE ring. Never happened. Yeah, he was on Raw. Cena was on SmackDown. They never crossed paths. Yeah. I mean, one, Austin, Austin could theoretically just... One tribute to the Troop Show, Austin dressed right. Santa stunts. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that was it. But, yeah, no, I... I Actually, no, 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 tell a lie, tell a lie. No, 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 tell a lie. I just remembered. It was a, a house show in Glasgow in 2005. There was an interaction between Cena and Austin because the main event of the Glasgow show was John Cena defending the WWE title against JBL and Kurt Angle and Stone Cold was the special referee and then they had a beer bash in the ring afterwards. Ah, oh, there yeah, you go. The beer bashes with him. He said the segment that tributes to the troops, he's never fought him. He never wrestled him. Nope, never wrestled him, but they did have they have had uh interactions. They've had interaction, yeah. And I remember and I remember this when I was this was from when I was 13 years old. And I still remember that show. Iconic ther- moments, man. And I'm 31 just now, so that I think that just puts that into perspective. Yeah, yeah iconic moments. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, it, it's it's one of the ones missed off. It's one of the ones you know he's worked with, you know, teaming with or wrestled with some of the biggest names in this industry. Uh, I think the only ones he's really not done are Goldberg and Austin, and I really no desire to see him wrestle Goldberg, to be honest with you. Oh. But Stone Cold John Cena would love it. And uh, every so often, we know John Cena likes to wind people up on Instagram. He posts variations of Stone Cold on his Twitter account constantly. So I, I wouldn't be against it. Shall we talk about the Rumble, gents? Yeah, why yes. not? Yes. Let's do it. Let's get, ready. Yeah. Let's get ready. Let's get ready to rumble. 
If you remember the rest of that song, I'll be impressed. I would do the dance, but I'd pull all my quads like I was Kevin Ash. <laughs> we are hoping, obviously, as we mentioned, for a much improved rumble. Uh, the rumble so far, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 male wrestlers announced ahead of time. WWE saying they're happy with announcing people because they have a lot of non-traditional surprises. So uh, anyone's guess who these people could be. Um, and in the Women's Royal Rumble, only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven women announced ahead of time. Uh, does it have Selena? Yes, Selena Vega's there. I don't mind them announcing people, but I just I wish they would maybe put a stipulation on it. Like, listen, you can only you can only be you only announce yourself in the Royal Rumble if you won the Rumble before. Everyone else needs to qualify or be a former Rumble winner. That's or it. A, or if you're a former world champion. No, because yeah. then there's two people. Because I don't want Jinder Mahal in the Rumble. <laughs> He's yeah, on NXT. Yeah, He's fine. <laughs> but yeah, we, we've got five Ricochet matches. Ricochet did. Ricochet was the only one that's qualified. Aye. He's the only legitimate entrant. Uh, five match cards so far Bianca Belair via Alex Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship Roman Reigns Paul Heyman for the Undisputed WWE Championship Bray Wyatt against Ellie Knight and a we're selling advertising space Mount Dew pitch black match and of course the Royal Rumble matches now we've touched on the Roman Reigns match we've touched on Bray Wyatt I think we all know he's going to win Uh I yeah, think still might. I think there's something in it. I, I, I think LA Knight might walk away with that one, you know. Uh, Bianca Alexa, we can review it next time we're on, but I always say this, when you go to a gimmick pay-per-view and there's a gimmick match named after the pay-per-view, that's what you're there for. You could have eight five-star <laughs> classics on before it, but I want to see 30 sweaty men <laughs> Tossing each other off. Uh, over <laughs> whoa, whoa. Oh, this is going. This is going into a different Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> the Royal Fumble. Anyway, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what I think anymore. <laughs> announced so far for the men's Royal Rumble. I changed my pick. Santos Escobar, Ricochet, Austin Theory, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Baron Corbin, Rey Mysterio, Gunther, Omos. Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, Karrion Cross, and the one that sticks out, all roads lead to the Rumble. Cody Rhodes announced ahead of time, guys. Is this a red herring? Is he going to fail to win this match? Oh, that's an interesting concept. I mean, for me, I can't see any, I can't see past Cody, but um, yeah, that if he if he is going to lose it. He is going to be screwed out of it. He's not going to get dumped out by uh, Braun Strowman. You know, someone's going to cause him to be eliminated. Um, I I genuinely can't see past him winning this. Um, I I think announcing him was very interesting. I think it, it you know the maybe they were trying to like cut off a bit of misinformation. It seems there's been a lot of misinformation coming out of WWE. Maybe they were 
trying to just cut off the fact that everyone thought it was going to be a surprise and they thought naturally no we'll just you know we're producing these pretty nice packages so mm. we might as well just tell the story that he's coming back for the royal rumble yeah that makes a lot of sense as well like when you heard the he's good at announcing ahead of time I think that's a little bit of a nod to the audience. And then it's sort of them... I mean, maybe I'm just reading too much into this, but I took that as a nod saying, like, listen, we know we know that the company, particularly the old man, has insulted your intelligence for decades, but we know well, yeah, that not. you're expecting Cody Rose to be a surprise entrant. So we're just going to save you the anticipation, save you any potential disappointment, and say, yes, Cody is going to be in the Rumble. So and they're keeping him off beans. TV. Yeah, they're keeping him off TV. Yeah. So the pop's going to be huge. Yeah, of course. And, but I know we tend to do a lot of crazy predictions on this show, mostly from Ross, <laughs> but I've got one that I've just pondered about. And I think it would make people go apeshit if this happened. It may sell me. Right. What if, given everything we, just, we talked about the bloodline earlier on, what if this year, a la 1994, Ooh. we got a double winner in the form of Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn? Oh, interesting. Because let's assume his test that Roman laid down for him on Monday was to win the Royal Rumble and secure the WrestleMania title spot away from anybody else so that they don't get to challenge Roman. What if Cody and Sammy both hit the floor at the same time, they get a Bret Hart-Lex Luger scenario, they both get the title match, but Sammy could still argue that he passed his test and he still technically won the Royal Rumble. Roman could then turn around, be a deck heel, and say, you didn't pass the test. You're kicked out the bloodline. But Sammy could argue he still gets his title shot. And that sets up the match at Elimination Chamber, while simultaneously setting up the Cody Rhodes match at WrestleMania. Then Sammy and KO can reunite, take the tag titles of the Usos, we get Roman versus Cody at WrestleMania, everybody's happy, tea and biscuits for everyone. I'm here for it. I'm not up. Uh, no, no. I could, I could see it happening. Uh, I, I, I think we're going to get one clear winner, but... I hated it in 1994 when they forced down our throat, Bret Hart, got in the way of the organically over Rangers supporting <laughs> Colt Bridge bomb, Lex Luger. <laughs> you know, the world in 1994 was not re yet ready for a staunch champion. That fell to Drew McIntyre. And I just, I don't want to see somebody <laughs> screwed over that way again. No, for me, I, I don't think he's winning. And Seth Rollins has been over his face mm. recently. You know what? Uh, I, you think know what I think. Hold on, hold yeah. on. Hold on. Okay. Let me finish, then you can jump in. Sorry, sorry. I think that he's needed to be a face because there wasn't enough faces on TV at that time. People are always going to sing along with people's theme songs, you know. Edge's theme song is never going to change, you know, even though it did this year. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> like, they changed Nakamura's theme song. People will sing along to his theme song unless it's changed. So I don't think that makes him a face. 
I think Seth Rollins turns heel yet again. I think Cody gets the better of him again and eliminates him. And I think Seth come back and comes back and screws Cody. I think that's why it's announced ahead of time, so that people aren't expecting him to be there. Like, oh my God, he's going to be here. He's going to, you know, pop up and it's going to be a surprise. And you know, he's going to win the whole thing. I think it's it's getting the pop out of the way two weeks early. There's still going to be a pop, but getting the shock out of the way two weeks early and lowering expectations for Cody, that is. Yeah. I can actually see him and Rollins starting at one and two and going the distance. Uh, I Again, I'll be impressed to see that because they, they could. The pair of them could and, and uh, put in a great performance. You know, Cody's past performance in Rumbles as well. I mean, he's lasted... More often than not, he's lasted like 40 minutes at least on about three different occasions. So you know he can go the distance. Yep. And you know, you've seen Rollins put on like a a one hour, 15 minute gauntlet performance against John Cena and Roman Reigns. So he's got, you know, the, the longevity behind him. He won the Royal Rumble from the number 10 spot, which isn't that high up the list either. So both these guys can do marathon performances if they have to. Yeah, I agree. I think I think if anyone's going to win from number one, it's Sami Zayn. Or we talked about Roman doing double duty. Maybe Sami doesn't need to win the Rumble. Maybe he wins the Chamber in his hometown. Because they've started to do, you know, you noticed on Raw 30, it was the Raw tag titles. On SmackDown, they're having a SmackDown tag tournament. I think either Roman does double duty or Roman loses one of the titles before WrestleMania. There was rumors about that. There was rumors about that um, because obviously the Bloodline's been doing a lot of invading Raw, etc. I heard yeah. the rumors that if that was to keep going, Roman would allegedly be stripped of the WWE title, and that would be exclusively back on Raw. And then, if Cody were to win the Rumble, he automatically enters that title match. But then, on the build-up, they could have the Chamber match to determine his opponent. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't, I'm kind of torn here, guys, because my thing was, and especially with, um, this is when Theory had the money in the bank, I said, I feel the guy who beats Roman has to hold the title for a while, at least three or four months. I didn't want to see Theory in the main event of WrestleMania, and I thought, well, they're going to waste the money in the bank. This is when we thought money in the bank was going to return to WrestleMania. And the whole thing with Roman Reigns, he's basically held the title hostage for over two years. And I think it means more for him to lose both in one foul swoop. And then the next night, Whoever beats them is told you need to pick Raw or SmackDown. I think I think that works better as opposed to Roman losing one and then losing the other because you give you give half the pop away. You the unbeatable champion has been beaten, so when he loses the second title, it won't mean as much. Yeah, so I, I think, think that's right. Not don't split him at Mania. Don't have him do double duty. I mm. think because if he does split them. Not like when Seth Rollins did double duty and he lost the US title to Cena but then beat Sting. I think if Roman does double duty, whoever he faces first 
he has to beat them. Mm-hmm. He has to beat them. Yeah. And failing that, you know what? I wouldn't be upset to see him just face one person for both titles. And then, <clears throat> and then kind of like I said, like even a Keith Lee one, Keith Lee held two titles and said, I can't be selfish. I have to give others opportunities the way I was giving them. Therefore, I'm vacating the North American title. Go that route or go that, yeah, you can only be the champion of one show. That's absolutely fine because you don't have the the two and a half year build behind it. If you strip Roman of one title now, whenever he does lose the title, I feel it, it loses a bit of meaning. But we're, we're coming back onto Roman and we're not focusing on the Rumble <laughs> or we're just branching off. Uh, other names I mentioned there, other than Cody Rhodes, uh, John, you said you couldn't see past. Karrion Cross, Braun Strowman, Seamus Drew, Omos Gunther, Rey Mysterio, Corbin, Lashley, Rollins, Theory, Ricochet, Escobar, Kofi. Can you guys realistically see any of these wrestlers winning? I think Gunther's going to have a good showing. Gunther? Mm. Yeah, I don't Drew know whether he... Good showing. Yeah, yeah, Drew, Drew definitely will. I will do very well in this uh gunther for sure can carry across they've got a chance to kind of do something with him and make him look like a massive threat but uh mm. yeah i think that you know the, the two standouts there definitely gunther and um gunther and drew gunther and drew yeah i i agree they are the standouts david 15 wrestlers announced so far unconventional quote-unquote mm-hmm. surprises rumored um, is there anyone you think could pop up and have a good showing or is there anyone unconventional that you would like to see return one name that has stood out in particular and it's been all over social media is Matt Cardona who recently filed trademark for Zack Ryder I reckon he'll come back with a brand new Woo 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 style attitude, not just like you know the, you know the the Long Island broski, you know like somebody who's now become a a grizzled veteran of the business who's won championships across the entire circuit, and he's making his name again in the biggest company in the world. I think that's going to be a. I, that's my most confident prediction when it comes to surprise entrance. He is very good at being an antagonizer, John. He's very Seth Rollins esque. Yeah, he, uh, and he's been twerking for a return for ages. He's been—he's not made any secret about it. He wants to go back. He—he's he, he, made no mistake. He became a wrestling fan because of WWE um, and Impact Wrestling. He has the sort of him and Brian Myers are sort of the the veterans that the boys need to show respect to. And GCW, he, because he was on WWE's version of ECW, he angered fans by calling himself an ECW original and a hardcore legend, a legendary hardcore sports entertainer is what he called himself. (laughs) And then NWA, he went full Zack Ryder-esque just annoying that promote considering the tradition in that promotion just being an antagonizer mm-hmm. who do you who do you see possibly coming back 
uh, is an unconventional pick. One of mine was Tyler Breeze. I, I'd love to see him come back. Oh, but, yeah. That'd be cool. Oh, look, everybody. It's Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that'd be cool. I've, I've got an idea of one person who you know, is going to be having a very busy day at the Royal Rumble, but um, yeah, this this is could fit the unconventional route in a sense. I think we're going to see Rhea Ripley in both. Mm, very good, very good. Uh, Rhea Ripley in both certainly wouldn't mind. Um, is there anyone you see making a surprise return and winning it? You you said John, you can't see past Cody. Yeah. So anyone out there, you know, Cardona, Stone Cold, Edge. That you can see returning and winning it, not returning and winning it. No, no. no. I, I, you, I just don't. There's no. There's no progression for anybody. Just a surprise to come in and win it. Yeah, the thing is, too much. There's, there's too much in the current stars to win something. I don't think a, a, a return or a surprise is going to be. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything there. That's fair enough. Uh, David, what about you? Do you see anyone returning and winning it or anyone coming up from NXT to win it, you know, in the men's rumble? No, it's it's too difficult to say, you know, because normally returns are just there for the the nostalgia pop or, you know, if somebody's making the transition over from another company like Jay White, for example, you know, he was rumoured to be in the Royal Rumble one year. Um I just don't see like a somebody who migrates from another company or returning from winning the Rumble because so much stock has been invested in the superstars that are currently there or are scheduled to come back. You know, a la Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins. You know, a lot of people have been online have been wanting Seth Rollins to win. Bobby Lashley might be a bit a bit of a stretch, but still doable. You know. Drew, Braun Strowman, you know, they're solid Rumble performers as is. So, but no, nobody from returning or surprising that I, I can realistically see winning. It has to be someone that's been, had a lot of stock invested in them. Right. So, John, you went Cody at the start of this. Are you sticking with Cody? I'm sticking with Cody. Uh, what about you, David? Who do you see winning it? I will stick with Cody as well, but. And I'm going to say this on air again. If my prediction of Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn being joint winners comes true, then I would like to propose that if that happens, I will win the sweeps automatically. (laughs) If it doesn't, I will render myself ineligible to compete in the sweeps until after WrestleMania. Bold. Okay, right, well, you can do that then. There probably won't be a sweep, but usually at the Rumble, it's just a, it's a, it's a random drawing. Not <laughs> so <wins>? bold. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, we'll probably, we will probably do a sweep. Um, uh, see, I, know, I, know, I, know how, I know how the system works. <laughs> trying to weasel my way around it. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm, I'm looking, I can't see, I'm with you, John, I, I can't see past Cody Rhodes, but I, yep. I now feel there's a red herring that he won't win it because he's been announced. And you know what? I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go safe option. Oh. I think Drew McIntyre. I'm gonna go Drew McIntyre 
to win a second Royal Rumble. I'm going to go Drew McIntyre. I'm not against the idea. We all like Big Drew. We all like Drew. Yeah. Much like Lex Luger, I just, I, Drew McIntyre, Don's uh, time is now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a hero. I mean, nothing's going to top his 2021. Oh, oh no, I've just had a horrible thought and I can't say it. Well, so no, no, you've said it now, say it. Oh, right, if he does the whole Lex Luger thing, he can go touring a, across the country with Seamus in the banger bus. <laughs> <laughs> I understood that reference. I'll get my coat. <laughs> <laughs> the Banger Brothers. Uh, don't Google it. Just don't Google it. Whatever you do, do not Google it. But yeah, I, no, I reiterate, like, it's not going to top his 2020 win because that's genuinely the happiest I felt about a wrestling result and pay-per-view as a whole because, yeah. like, as soon as, I watched it the next, the next night because I went to bed early and I had no clue about the results. I kid you not, when I, I was on the edge of my seat watching Roman Drew go back and forth and then I stood up as soon as he was about to get throw Roman out and I swear I shouted at the top of my voice and jumped up and down and I'm pretty sure I was whack, like throwing my hands over the sofa. I was that that uh, chuffed with it. Let's move on to the, uh, the Women's Royal Rumble. Um, you mentioned uh, Rhea Ripley pulling double duty. She's one of seven wrestlers uh, advertised. Liv Morgan, Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez, or Rodriguez, sorry. Shayna Baszler, Zelina Vega, and Emma. Um, Charlotte Flair is not announced for this. I assumed she would try. I thought it could have been a good idea for Bianca, having held the title for a year, instead of this Alexa Bliss match, to maybe try and do what Charlotte did last year, trying to outdo the Queen sort of thing. But yeah. looking at this list just now, uh, Rhea Ripley and her work in the Judgment Day seem to be a, a firm online favourite. Other than Rhea Ripley, in this list of Larry Morgan, Rodriguez, Baszler, Vega, Emma, is there anyone there you think remotely has a chance of winning this? Oh, Mammy's bringing it home, but I think the other the other, the other options, uh, Raquel. Yeah, I mean, Raquel's a standout. Yeah, Raquel's a standout. Yeah, and and she she's done decent enough on SmackDown so far. Um, they've not heated her up to a massive degree. Uh, I, but she, you know, she could have a lot of success. So I mean, for me, it's it's Rhea or or Raquel, but I'm. I'm leaning towards Rhea. Mm -hmm. No, I'm the same. Like, it's a no-brainer to go for Rhea Ripley at this point, the way she's been booked with Judgment Day. You know, she almost feels like the leader of Judgment Day as opposed to Finn Balor or Priest. I mean, sure, Dominic's like sort of like the comedy side piece, you know, the the condom, as it were. But um, it's going to be, I reckon it's going to come down to the final two is going to be Mammy versus Big Mammy. Yep. And that that'll be great. That'll be a, a spectacular visual. And yeah, you know, I, I think that's one hundred percent the right, you know, the right way to go. And they're two. I they're both like great friends in real life as well. Yeah. And, and who, whoever whoever good. wins this, and it's you know, Rhea, and this is absolutely zero zero disrespect to Bianca, but please take the title off her. 
Yeah, I think, well, Rhea Ripley does have that title shot. She was due at Money in the Bank before getting injured. Wouldn't mind seeing Bianca hold the title for a year and then lose it at WrestleMania. Um, I like that they've done this now where it's long, long runs with the title as opposed to hot potato and just throwing it on undeserving people um, just because, oh, well, we need to change things up. But yeah, I think I think Raquel Rodriguez is going to come in about number 20. I think she's going to get about eight or nine eliminations. And but I I agree with you. I, Rhea Ripley, or if we're going returns, and I, I said this the other day, I couldn't really think of non-conventional returns for the Women's Rumble just because they do it so often, the returns. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's an it injury. A- if it's a return from injury, I don't know her status. I've not Googled it. I'm not going to Google it in case I spoil it for myself. I would love Asuka to be rebooted yep. by, mm. winning, by winning the Rumble. And you know what? We, we, we mentioned, please take the title off Bianca. Yeah. I think we might see Bliss take the title on the night. There's a good chance of that. There really is. And just to kind of further the whole progression of whatever's going on with with Alexa and, and, and the Uncle Howdy stuff and all that, um, I, I think that's a good thing. I mean, for me, the you know, Bianca's title range just a bit too long in the tooth now. She seems to be just battering everyone. You know, it did, no one seems to be a threat. So she needs a credible threat, either built up to take it a straight offer. Um I'd love to see Asuka back. I think I'd be absolutely... I love Asuka a bit, so I think she'd be great. Um, so, yeah, I'd be all on board with that. Yeah, well... I think Asuka, I think Asuka's just been very sort of stop-start lately. It's... Uh, I mean, if she comes back as the... Like a rumble win. <laughs> I mean, if she comes back as the Kana persona as well, you know, the proper yeah. badass heel that she was in Japan, that would make it interesting. But... Yes. Yeah. I, I just can't... I can't see anybody else other than Rhea Ripley winning this. Yeah, Rhea Ripley, I think, is is the the fans' choice, certainly. Um, but you know, I think there's always more wiggle room with the Women's Royal Rumble just for the fact that the women don't really have a mid-card title. You know, it's two world titles on the brand. There's less women wrestlers than there's men wrestlers. So it, it just seems like there's always room to experiment in these Royal Rumbles and that, that kind of makes it a bit more fun because it's it's not got the history behind it that the male Rumble has and to me that means you can mess about with things and try stuff without fans getting too upset before we go and I'm, I'm going to put this out in the universe and if it happens you can boo me vigorously <laughs> What about Ronda Rousey returning in one of the Rumble two years in a row? No, uh, it, it would no. get it would get the uh, required amount of booze. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I well, think um, there has been rumors that she, there has been rumors she's been pulled from the Royal Rumble. Really? Damn. Yeah, I can't remember who who reported it, but I've seen an article online that said Ronda Rousey allegedly pulled from appearing at the Royal Rumble. No, well, there we are. Um... Well, that's going to do us for tonight. Uh, we've made 
some outlandish predictions, we've made some safe predictions, we've made predictions that would never come true in a million years. But you know what? That's just what we do here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Central. Thank you for joining us for our 101st episode celebration. Next time we'll try to keep track of the episodes so we don't do a 201st, we'll do a 200th episode celebration. God, am I still going to be here at 200 episodes? Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, what was that? I was about to say, I'll bring the cake. Thank you, I'm choking on it there. Anyway, as I'm going to try to get through this, sounding like, a, sounding like an asthmatic old man as I try to fight back choking, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android podcasting sites. You can listen to the massive back catalogue. Some retro Royal Rumble reviews up, as Scott mentioned before. Uh, the Royal Rumble quiz, uh, I'm not hosting, I'm competing this time, will be available on the channel shortly. And get much much more on there so I'll be back next week with Chris Anthony Lopez to review the Royal Rumble, we reviewed the 2022 Royal Rumble together and we wanted to cry in each other's arms hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's a lot better this time round, we'll speak to you soon, bye bye Hi I'm Scott McLeod and I'm Grant McGrobbie We are the hosts of the monthly show on each Superplex Retreat East Meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.